everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Asking for a Friend. I'm your host Elena, and today we're talking the juiciest period drama since Bridgerton, the ongoing love story that is Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, as well as women's Roman Empire. And our main topic for today is being a digital nomad really worth the hype? Today we have podcast host and writer Chelsea on to help us out, but first let's head into our first segment. Have you heard that? You guys. It is a Thursday. I'm recording on a Thursday. This comes out on a Tuesday. So if some of the info has evolved since I'm recording, then I'm so, so, so sorry. But the news that I want to share with you today is my current obsession. And this episode is a big, big, big callback to the first episode. We're going to get into a couple of things that I already talked about in the first episode, one with my guests, but also by myself. And the first thing, obviously, the ongoing love story between Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. If you haven't seen the video, TikTok, the beginning of this week, was in an absolute frenzy because Taylor Swift was playing a show in Argentina. And who was there? None other than her boyfriend, Travis Kelsey. Also, if you want to come at me right now and tell me that this is a PR relationship, I'm not here for the drama. I'm not here for the rumors. They are endgame. one thing makes that abundantly clear, and that is when she was singing her song Karma, she called out Travis Kelsey because in her lyrics she made a change and she said, The guy on the Chiefs. And I want to make this abundantly clear. This, for me, I'm not here for the drama that's all about, oh, this is a PR relationship. No, it's not. That man, that man, Travis Kelsey, he flew from Germany to Argentina just to be there for two to three days. Why do I know that is two to three days? Because he said that in his own podcast. So he flew there for two to three days just to see his girlfriend perform. Baby girl, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I cannot even get a text back from my mans, then boo. If he wanted to, he would. And I'm usually not a big fan of the saying. I'm not a big fan of the saying, if he wanted to, he would. Because there are so many more things. But that man flew to fucking Argentina, even though he has a podcast to run with his brother. He has his own games, but he wanted to be there for his girlfriend. And we respect that. We respect that and we're here for it. And then this video where she runs to him after the show. Like, you have no idea what this did to me. And this really made me up my game again. And with my game, I mean my standards. I used to have high standards. Listen up, bitch. Now they're through the roof. Because, again, he flew to Argentina. He did that. And they're just cute. And he's just, he's happy to be with her. And I saw this again and again in interviews and all of that. All of her other boyfriends, they played it nonchalant. And they said, yeah, yeah, I'm with Taylor Swift. That man fucking adores her. That man is here for her. And he's cheering her on. And he's proud of her. And he's like, yes, I am dating Taylor Swift. This is incredible. And she's such an incredible human being. And he is one of the major role models for healthy masculinity. For really just being in his healed masculine. He's like just joking around all the time. Can you tell I'm in love with Travis? So please, girls out there, if you're with a Joe, no, no, get rid of the Joe. Your Travis Kelsey is waiting. I promise you this. I'm going to stop my Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift right now because we don't have time. We have so much more to get into. This week is full of it because I have a new obsession. I used to 
love Bridgerton. I haven't read the books, but I love, love, love the Netflix show. It's really, really good. But there is another period drama that has my full attention and it's out on Apple Plus. It's called The Buccaneers. And just think American society girls going to Britain to marry rich. But pair that with like a Marie Antoinette with Kirsten Dunst and also a little bit of, I wouldn't say gossip girl, but it's, it's fun. It's current music. It's still like period drama with all of the high society mess and who can marry whom. And um, it's just great. It's great. The costume design, me coming from a fashion background, the costume design is insane. The amount of times the drama was so good and had my jaw on the floor because I didn't read the book that it is based on. It's like loosely based on a book. I didn't read that one, but I did not expect these twists and turns. So if you need a new recommendation for something to watch. There are four episodes currently out. I think they're releasing them every single week, which for me, who is a serial watcher, and if you give me the whole episode, if you give me the whole season, I will watch it. I will watch it in a day or two. I will make this a priority because I have no restraint. I have no self-control when it comes to that. So the Buccaneers, great cast. It's a great story. I can't wait for it to go on. And I will report on it again. So yeah, that is another one. I told you there would be another callback. In the first episode, Alex and I talked about Taylor Swift and that she's not a Swifty. And I am. I'm going to the concert next year. I'm excited. But so that was the first callback. The second callback, I told you about my obsession with fantasy books. And oh boy, I don't have enough friends. Period. No, that's a joke. I don't have enough friends to talk about these books because no one in my immediate circle is reading this. The absolute elation I felt when I found out that a friend of mine from Instagram is also into these books. Lena, this is a shout out to you if you listen to this. I was elated because I told you about that book about dragons. And an academy, like a dragon academy, where you have to go in and people kill each other off to bond with dragons and shit. Yeah. The new book, that was Fourth Wing. That was the first book. And for all my book talk girlies, if you have read this, please reach out to me. I've got to talk. Because the second book came out on Tuesday last week. I pre-ordered it and it arrived on Tuesday. So I right dove into it. And the second book is called Iron Flame. I'm all over the place today. I'm sorry, guys. I did not sleep well. I did not sleep well. And I think I'm all over the place. And um, my mind is running 180 miles per hour. But so the second book is called Iron Flame. My love for fantasy characters has been restored again because I'm still waiting for Crescent City 3. So Sarah J. Mass's third book, which is coming out in January or February, I think. But Iron Flame basically catches on where the last book left off. And almost needlessly, which I enjoy because I don't have the time to tear into that book again to realize or to figure out what has happened in the last episode, in the last episode, while I'm still on the Buccaneers, but what happened in the last book, I don't have the time for that. So I enjoy just knowing that it picks up right where they left off. And by the, there, don't get me wrong. Is it good that a second book, the sequel, should come out only five months after the first came out? Probably not. And this has been discussed 
online a lot right now because there are people who are gung-ho for iron flame who say this is such a great book i agree loved it were there plot holes yes they were and a lot of things where you could tell that rebecca yaros who wrote the book really probably was a little bit in a time crunch because they wanted to keep the momentum of the book up but you guys like literally people would have waited longer People would have waited longer for this book to come out and not have the plot holes. That being said, did I enjoy this read? Absolutely. Was there spice? Plenty. Was there a good political story? Also. Did I... <laughs> did I cackle at some point because they were, the jokes were good? Am I now absolutely obsessed and want to have a pet dragon or like a dragon that I bonded to that's constantly like in my thoughts and ha have like witty conversations with? Yes. Yes, I do. But nonetheless, what this, why I'm getting into this is this gives me absolute life. It takes me out of my everyday life and it brings me back to into a world where I can just dive into. And that book has over 650 pages. I devoured that in three days. And that is great writing. If someone can catch your attention, bring you into a world and not let you go until you finish that book. And you really, in the morning, you look forward to when you get home at night, because then you can start reading a book again and finish that book. That is great writing. So I don't care about the plot holes as long as this is the effect, because I'm always giving a book a hundred pages. My time is too precious honestly. Okay, this is my book talk rant. Not a rant, it's more like a cherish because I really cherish that book and I'm really sad because the next one is probably not going to come out until like in a year. Some people say the next one might come out in, 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 in May of 2024. I hope it doesn't, not because I don't want to read it, but because from what I've been reading online, Rebecca Yaros hasn't even started writing it yet. If that is true, if that is a fact, then please take your time, Rebecca. This is my call for you. Take your time. We want a well-thought-out book. And I'm not going to spoil what happens in Iron Flame. I'm not that kind of person. But if you are into a enemies-to-lover, good political drama, dragons, fucking powers and shit, read it. Really good. Also, spicy, which we love. Okay. I think this is enough for this week's Have You Heard That? Let's dive into That's Mental. And today I'm bringing to you something that has been on my mind for quite some time. Um, and some people call it the Women's Roman Empire. And when I'm telling you this, is why I call it the Women's Roman Empire is because I have not heard men talk about this topic a lot. And I think it, it's about friendships. So Women's Roman Empire is thinking of your ex-best friend. And I'm just going to leave this here for a second in case you need a minute. Because when I heard this first, and I heard this on another podcast, um, I think it was Man Enough. And I had to really... It, it made me choke a little bit. It made me stop in my tracks. Because I think every woman has this. I think of my ex-best friend often and it's kind of bittersweet because when i think of her all of these great memories come up 
all of the milestones we had together, the amount of times she was there for me, where we made plans, where we had such great ideas for the future. And now being in the future and her not being in my life as prominently as I would like her to be, that is very bittersweet. It stings because you made plans. You had you had this bond that you thought would never go away. But then life happens and things change. We went different paths. In my case, I went traveling. She had another kid for which I am so happy about. And of course, when life changes, your relationships change too. But that doesn't mean that there's not a certain grief. And that grief, I find myself a lot in when I think about it. It's not like I think about it every single day, every single minute of every single day. But when these moments come up, when I want to share something and I'm thinking, oh, I would love to tell her. And then I'm like, oh, but we don't have that relationship anymore. And then you want to reach out, but you don't know. And when you reach out, sometimes it doesn't come back the same way you wish you would, it would come back. And then you're disappointed. So I think it's all about grieving that moment, but being happy about the fact that it happened. The fact that you had that certain time together. And it doesn't mean that that time was lost. I think about my time with her, like with the greatest happiness. And more than one occasion comes to mind where I'm like, what the hell did we do? That was absolutely crazy. Or that was a moment when she was the only person who knew what was going on in my life. And she felt like the only person I could tell it to. So I think what's important is to let yourself grieve those moments, those lost relationships. They're not really lost. They're just some people aren't meant to be there forever. Some people are meant to guide you or to accompany you for a certain amount of time in your life. And you can still be sad. You can still be sad about the fact that that person is no longer in your life, but you can also be thankful that it happened because you would be a different person if it hadn't happened. And that's what I try to bring myself back to when I feel sad about it, when I feel frustrated about it, when I feel like, should I have done more? Is there more that I can do that I have to do and just realize that life is taking its own path and whether people decide to stay in your life or you decide to keep those people in your life that is up to you and I don't really know how to end this because now I'm in this weird in-between state between being happy or like really all of these memories of just rushing in, like really just flooding in right now. At the same time, I'm like, oh, I wish maybe she listens to this. And I just want to tell you that I love you and I have you in my heart and I have you in my thoughts a lot. And I hope that you're doing well. And I cannot wait to see where you're going. All right, guys, that was That's Mental. And now we go on to a favorite segment off this podcast, obviously, to the question, is being a digital nomad really worth the hype? So let's get into it. All right. I'm so excited to welcome my guest for this episode, 
to asking for a friend. She is living the life that everyone dreams about, traveling full time while running her highly successful podcast coaching business. She's working with brands, guest starred on multiple podcasts and gets sent on trips by travel brands to live her best life. Welcome to Asking for a Friend, Chelsea Rife. Hello, I am so excited to be here. I cannot wait to talk to you about everything that we've been chatting about. So thanks for having me on. Yes, just to remind the, the people who are listening, we're talking about if the digital nomad lifestyle is really worth the hype. And we both have our experience with it. I need to say, though, that you probably have more experience with it than I do because you are currently living that life. I'm like in like a semi state because I've been here for two months now. Like I'm here in London for two months and then I'm going to go traveling a little bit again, going back home. But you are truly doing this. So I can't wait to get into all of that. But as with every podcast guest, I start out with asking two questions that I shared with you to begin with. So first of all, Chelsea, who is your celebrity hall pass? My celebrity hall pass would probably have to be Jim from The Office. I think his boyish charm and like the quirkiness and the dry humor and the sarcasm is totally my type. Like genuinely, even in real life, uh, his like John Krasinski, I was like, I think we would get along. Like, I think he would be my husband. So that would be my celebrity hall pass. I can see that too. Like picturing you next to John Krasinski, also as Jim in the office. But I, I have to out myself though. Oh my gosh, right? I, like I have never really watched The Office. <laughs> I know. A lot of people have it. I mean, it's a big American show, you know? So yeah, but also, <laughs> yeah, but still, I feel like I know all of the, all of the memes and that's why I think I know The Office. Because I've seen so much of it. So I'm like, yeah, I know who Jim is. I know who Pam is, you know, like all the Stephen Carell things. Like I have seen them all, but yeah, I never watched it. But love that celebrity hall pass. Next question. What is an unpopular opinion that you have? Ooh, I would say I have a lot of unpopular opinions, but the one that I have right now is that I actually don't think aspirational luxury marketing is the way to go in business. So even though I know people see my lifestyle of like, oh, she travels and this and that, and we'll get into this in this episode. Um, it's not everything that it's cracked up to be. And I'm very disillusioned by coaches that are just constantly posting like their new Chanel bags and their new infinity pool vacation and how they made $10,000 in the last hour. Oh. Like that type of marketing to me is very fleeting. I yeah. think it doesn't actually show your skill set. And to me, it's an easy way out. Like, I think it's a very easy way. I could tell you I made $10,000 last month and I know that would help me drive more customers. But in reality, in the long term, having a skill set that you can transfer, yes. so literally something that will hold you over for life, is the better way to market. So yeah. when clients are working with you, share that in your marketing. Like, what are you helping them do? How did your skill set transfer onto them? And how did they learn that skill set? That's how I think people should market. And I think, unfortunately, you know, money and glitz and aesthetics sell. And yeah. I just personally, I like, I can't stomach it anymore. So my unpopular opinion is like, I'm, I don't like aspirational content. I second that. I absolutely second that. I believe in the same thing that you said. It's it's, it's a skill set. It's not this promise of these achievements when it comes to money and fame and fortune. And that's why when you touched upon the 10K a month thing, 
this in the beginning of my career as a coach had me in a chokehold because it put so much pressure on me. I thought all the time, why am I not there? Yes. Oh my God, is my, should my goal be to have these like 10K months? And when I wouldn't get to those months, because let's be honest, especially this year, it's been hard in every single type of business. Gala Darling, I don't know if you follow her, but she put out a post that was really, that, that touched me a lot because it really touched upon the fact that every single business this year has not been growing exponentially, like year over year, how we always see it. It's been slow. And I'm the first one to admit it. It's been slow. It's been slower than now last year. But of course, look at what kind of world we live in. We have a recession and all of this. And of course, people are keeping their money close. I believe that in COVID, people had more time and they were so much more concerned with their mental health, with what they were doing, investing in themselves, that it was starting a business then was easier for sure. I, I believe that. So I agree with your unpopular opinion. And that is one we share. And I'm really glad that you brought this with you. So thank you for that. Chelsea, we have an interesting topic today. And you were the first person that came to mind um, for me when I thought of doing this episode, because when I started traveling after I canceled my apartment, like I gave my, my apartment in Hamburg, that's actually where we remember that was where we met for the first time. Yes, I love Hamburg. It's been like, it, it was so crazy. So just as a background for the listeners, um, Chelsea and I met via a women's networking website. So back then, and I don't even know how. So. This is the weirdest thing because I Me either. I'm like trying to think. Yeah, I'm like, I just remember we met at a cafe and we were chit-chatting. We hit it off. We went to another cafe, but I don't actually remember the steps that got us there. Oh, I don't. You know what? I think I went to a workshop of yours that you were doing for this women's network. And I don't even remember what it's called. I'm so oh, I'm so bad at remembering this at the moment. But then I reached out to you because I started following you on Instagram. And I reached out to you because I saw that you're in Hamburg. And I was like, hey, I'm in Hamburg. Yes. You're in Hamburg. Want to go for coffee and chat? And this is how this started. But ever since then, I followed your travels and everything you're doing, which we're going to get into now. Um, but why I decided to put you on, I asked you to be on this episode is you are a digital nomad. We are, both have online businesses and I feel we... We do it in like similar way, ways where I'm an on and off kind of girly and you're, you're literally, you jumped in and you're doing it. So what are you doing? What is your current digital nomad lifestyle like? That was a hard one. Yeah, it's a tongue twister. No, <laughs> I know. Did, even saying digital nomad, when I say it and I listen back to my own podcast, I'm like, I don't say that word really well. And I talk about it all the time. But I know. right now, I think what propelled me into the uh, acceleration of it was... I wanted to be a digital nomad back when the pandemic hit. So obviously that didn't happen. I got locked down in Germany. My ex was German. That's why I lived there. And yeah. as soon as the lockdown started to lift, I was like, oh, great. We can start traveling. Let's bop all around. And he didn't really want to do that. And I did. So I, we, we ended up breaking up and I started going out on my own. Um, I realized I needed to really like heal emotionally, financially, mentally. So yeah. I went back home to Florida for like, eight months, lived with my parents in my childhood room for like eight full months back in Florida. And then I remember finding this company called Remote Year. And they do basically like study abroad for adults that are remote workers. That is so, so they cool. take care of your accommodation. Yeah, the co-working space. Um, it depends on obviously what you book and how long you book that affects pricing and everything. But I did a four month trip. And so it took care of the flights between we had experiences, we had city teams. And so I remember looking this 
company up and being like, oh, this is perfect. Like I loved studying abroad. That's what got me into travel in the first place. So I went on that trip. We went to South Africa, Spain, Croatia, and Portugal. It was so much fun. I met like the coolest people and I'm like, oh, I'm going to just keep doing this. The thing was traveling with 27 people at the pace we were going and only staying in a place each month while trying to also explore all the cities that are in these countries was overkill. That is insane. So what I realized was I can't do that again. That was way too much. So after that, I pretty much traveled by myself up until the following February. So I think I was traveling alone for like three or four months. And then I did two more remote year programs that were just one month. And then I just met so many people. This community is huge that we started forming our own little groups and traveling around together. So like by accident, I almost switched countries every month because of the people I had met and just switching up my plans. And I will say, while that is my current travel style of like going somewhere every four to six weeks, in the last four to five months, I've realized that is completely unsustainable. And I don't like doing that. And I'm ready to do the more slow mad Mm -hmm. thing where you're like three, six, even 12 months in a place and really taking the time to integrate yourself into that location. I love the term that you just mentioned because I've never heard it before. Slow mad, which is this is genius because I I believe I'm the same way. I tried being like one month here, one month there. It was exhausting. And to bring this out, like to mention the point is everyone on the outside obviously only sees like, oh, you're in this city and in this town, you're switching countries and you're at beaches and you're working from like remote locations. But let me tell you one thing, this is exhausting. And I, after one year, was like, I thought I was the digital nomad girly who can do this, but I can't. And this is why right now I'm kind of trying to find my my rhythm. Like, where do I want to be? I decided now that I'm going to be here in London every mm-hmm. two months for two months. Because I need this steadiness, this community. What were like, in, in your yes. opinion, what is like the hardest, like the hardest part about being a digital nomad? I personally think the hardest part, if you are running your own business, like I am, that's the hardest part because you're yeah. trying to keep yourself afloat while you're still also planning the logistics of where to live. Oh, now, yeah. let's say you didn't have your own business and you still were just a remote worker. I still think that's the hardest part because let's say you pick a place for a month, right? Let's say it's London. Yeah. And then next month you want to go to Paris. Well, like two weeks into London, you're like, okay, shit, I need to start thinking about Paris. Like, where am I going to live? What's safe? How much money do I need? How do I get around? Like, do I need a new phone SIM card? And then your mind goes into overdrive planning that trip. And then it becomes really hard to enjoy Mm -hmm. where you're at because you're trying to do your regular work, get paid to be able to even do this lifestyle while you're also planning. So I think that's something I massively underestimated and undervalued this last year was like the mental overload. And I think just because you're good at something doesn't mean it doesn't drain you. So like, you know, it doesn't take me that long to find accommodation and flights, but that's still a chunk of my time every single week or month that I am putting towards travel. And that definitely, I think is the hardest thing is the logistical planning. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. It's, you're not really in the here and now you're constantly thinking of the future. And as you said, it's hard to actually enjoy where you're at while you're planning to be somewhere else. So the more sustainable route like for traveling would probably be in a spot for like a couple of months to like maybe half a year or something. 
What I also found is super challenging for me personally. I'm a community person, so I like to go to the places, to my coffee shops, to my to my gym. Like, you know, I have I have my gym wife. I have like my people that I meet every Monday for like co-working. And it's exhausting at times to always introduce yourself again. Whenever you're traveling for like a month and you're like in different cities, it's the same story. You you seldom get really deep with people even though you want to, like that is Mm -hmm. craving that I have so many times. Like I really want this like close connection with someone. But then if you're only there, like people come and go, especially when you're in a hostel or in like a remote or something, it's people come and go and you always tell your same story again and again, and no one gets to like go really deep. And that was also the point where at one, one time I was talking to my mom and it's like, yeah, I feel quite lonely here. And why don't you like do something consistent again? Don't you want to settle down now? And I'm like, ah, and I, I don't know how it is with you. Do you, do you get the same questions from your family? Um, I actually get it more from my friends where they'll oh. be like, when are you going to settle down? My family knows I'm pretty nomadic. I know back when I wanted to start this whole lifestyle. I originally just wanted to move to London, funny enough, and just live there for like live on a job visa and actually get a job there. Oh, so come I remember here. my parents come were here. Only it's pushing beautiful. back. Yeah, they were only pushing back. I love London. They were only pushing back because um they were just like, have you thought the finances and what if this mm-hmm. goes wrong? Like if you all of a sudden run out of money, how are you planning to get home or get a visa or stay there? So yeah. that was the original pushback I was getting from my family. Now this past year, because of the pace that I'm moving, I get those questions more from my friends of like, you know, what's your actually long-term plan? And what are you thinking of doing when it comes to like settling down? So I completely understand it too, because, you know, I look at my own lifestyle. I'm like, it's kind of crazy. Like it's actually nuts. That I've lived in so many places this year. Yes. It doesn't even it feels like I've it feels like 2023 has been three years. Like oh, January yes. feels like it was in 2020. It feels so long ago. And to your point, the hard thing about traveling when I was saying the logistical planning and because you're not present either, I also make I find that makes it really hard to date. And you oh, always yeah. think there's something better around the corner. So you're always like, yeah, this is a great place. Like I'm I'm in Romania right now. I love Romania. It's amazing. Oh, but I'm going to go to Spain in a month. So maybe I'll meet a person in Spain. Oh, wait, but after Spain, I'm going to Cape Town. So maybe I should wait until Cape Town. But then after Cape Town, and you're like, oh my God, I'm, I don't have the skill of really like committing to something and yeah. investing deep energy into it yeah. because of this lifestyle. So to your point, not only is it hard to get deep with friends, I think it's also hard to get deep in relationships yeah. and even commit to your work. I realized mm-hmm. there were so many things with my work that I was like, I don't even have time to do this because I'm cons- I have a flight or I have to cancel that meeting because now yes. my train has moved up or whatever. And so creatively, I, f- I find it hard too. So yes. there's actually like n- a lot of things that can pull you back. And I think what we're getting at is like stability and community, I think is probably the two things that are really hard on digital nomads. Yeah. And in that, in those moments when I feel really lonely, it's good to have a connection to people around the world. It's a beautiful thing to, to have people around the world that you can visit. The amount of times when I travel through the US or through Europe, there are always places I can stay. So that is a definite plus point. It's like, yeah, I have friends there, I have friends there. And then whenever my friends are traveling, I can connect them with these people so that they already have an in into the community or like, they can meet up with someone if they're solo traveling, but it's for me, 
it turned out as really beneficial to just have a handful of people who know about the struggles and who I can talk to and that are just willing to jump with me on a WhatsApp call, on a FaceTime call, and basically to to tell me that I am not alone. But yeah, the, the loneliness part, that is the one that, that really gets me whenever you get. And I think people who see the, the lifestyle that we are living because let's be honest, it's also pretty rad. It's pretty rad. It's pretty cool. And just working from beaches and just and when you post it, everyone's always like, oh, where are you at right now? And oh my God, like, where, where are we finding you now? It's really exciting. But what you cannot see is whenever you get into a new town, new to a new location, you have to start from zero. If you haven't been there before, like for yes. me, that's why, I, that's why I keep coming back to London. I already have my, my social circle here. I have my routines here. So whenever mm-hmm. I come back, I just jump back in. But when you get to like the first time I was here for a longer time, I'm going to be very candid. In the first week I was here last year, I called my mom a week in. And I was like, mom, I'm, I'm, I'm so fucking lonely. I don't know. I don't know if this was the right idea. Um, I don't have friends here. Like I, I cannot really do anything here. I just, and, and she said something to me that was pretty profound. And I love my mom. She's such a wise woman. And also she knows me very well. She said to me, Elena, how I know you next week, you're going to call me and you have made like five friends. This is always how you are the first week you're in a new place. And I was like, what? You cannot throw this truth bump on me right now because that's not what I want to hear. I want you to tell me that everything is going to be like, all right, and you, you can come back whenever. But she's like, I know you. This is always you in the first week and then it's going to be all right. And this, I try to remind mm-hmm. myself of this every time I get into a new situation. It's like, this is always the way it's going. This is always how I feel. And I've half been dealing with this before and I will get through it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I totally agree that there's a loneliness that it comes from the lack of having those long-term, deep, committed yeah. relationships. Have yeah. you read the book 4,000 Weeks? No, what is it? About? Wait, I think, did you post it on your story the other day? Yes, I post it like all the time now because I just finished it. And there's, I was reading it because I was going through this whole thing with like time management and feeling mm-hmm. like I'm bad at managing my productivity and time because traveling is hard on that, on that aspect of yes. business. But it's actually not really like a productivity book in the most traditional way. It's saying that we all basically have 4,000 weeks if we're going to live until we're 80 years old. So when you realize that you have this limited amount of time, you can start putting your attention and energy towards more meaningful things. So I'm mm-hmm. flipping through this book and I'm like, oh my God, this amazing book, love it. And then boom, there's a chapter literally titled The Loneliness of the Digital Nomad. No. I'm like, whoa, hold on. I didn't know this chapter was in here and I'm reading it. And he made such a good point. And I want to share this story because I think it's exactly Please. what you and I are dealing with. Yes. So back in the Soviet Union times, when they wanted factory workers to be working 24-7, they obviously could not have people physically working 24-7. So what they did was split people up in all these colored groups. Like, we're going to have the yellow group, the purple group, the orange group. And yellow is going to work Monday through Friday. Purple is going to work Tuesday through Saturday. You know, so on and so forth. Like, everyone had these weird schedules. Now, what happened was people that were friends were in different colored groups. So the people that were working in yellow Monday through Friday, 
never had the chance to meet up with the people in the red that were working, you know, Thursday to Sunday because they're always off. So they never had this overlap. And then they're like, okay, well, let's try to give people some sanity back and let's put like husbands and wives together in the same group because then at least they'll have like some connection. But then that was almost worse because husbands and wives then had like no free time or independent time for each other. So it's like they were working all the time. And then when they had the time off to hang out with their friends, their friends were in these other colored groups that were in the factory. So the whole point was, this is kind of how digital nomads work is like, Hey, you and I might overlap in London for three days and hopefully we can catch up, but then boom, you're back to Hamburg. I'm in Romania. And then it's like, we never get to actually develop this deeper friendship and do things like go to Pilates or (laughs) co-work or throw a dinner party together. And those are the things that I realized after reading that chapter that I'm really missing. And also the fact that I can't curate a space of my own, right? I can't buy art. I can't buy plants. I can't buy, I can't decorate my room. So those are also things that became, when you think of loneliness too, it's also like your physical space. You want it to feel like your own. And when you're a nomad, you rarely get to make something your own. Yeah. So that story really stuck with me. And I remember after reading that, I was like, I think it's time to pick a place and settle down for like a year. Yes. I I love this because it's so true. It, it, it not only for digital nomads, but I feel like as as adults, there's very rarely a time where everything like where it overlaps that we can see people that are really close to us and and then put on the time difference, put on like the different locations. It's it's quite hard. And so one question that just immediately came to my mind is like, why do we do it then, Chelsea? Why 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 are we doing this oh, to ourselves? <laughs> uh, right. I was just thinking there's someone listening being like, uh, then why are you guys doing this? Maybe just don't do it. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like for me it's the I think for me, I just know I have a limited time. And so I know I'm not going to be this age forever. I don't know if I'm going to have this, these types of like financial resources again, or this energy or this health. So for me, it's like, there is kind of a cap on the pace that I'm doing where I'm like, I'll probably only do it at this level for another one or two years. And then I don't know that I'm going to go buy a house and a dog and settle down with a white picket fence, but I probably will pick a place for like three to five years. Let's start out slow with one or two years. But for me, it's just, it's this like larger spiritual feeling that I feel like one of my biggest purposes is like to see every corner of the world. Yes, Like the world is made up of so many insane, incredible buildings and people and food and textures and surfaces that to me, it's like, if I have the opportunity to see all that and taste and feel and do all those things, let me do it while I have the capacity. I could, we could end this call right now and I could get hit by a bus and be paralyzed and lose my vision and I won't be able to do this again. Yes. So to me, it's like, okay, while you're young and you have the money and you want to do it and you have the energy. And by the way, I'm also single. I don't have a dog. I don't have a boyfriend. My parents aren't dying. Right. Like I have all these things that are helping me to be able to not feel bound to anything. So to me, it's almost a sense of urgency of like, do it while you can, because I know I'm not going to do this for the rest of my life. Right. Like I know in the next, even two years, if I have a child, like I'm not going to be switching countries every four to six weeks. I want to find community and settle down and be closer to my family. So for me, it's almost like 
when you study abroad and you get those like six to 12 weeks and you're like, I'm just going to run around all of, this is what Americans do. At least I'm going to run all of Europe. We're going to go to Paris and we're going to go running with the bulls. And then we're going to go to a festival in Madrid and you just kind of get it out of your system. I feel like that's kind of what I'm doing with my piece of digital nomad lifestyle is I have a, a finite, a finite period that I feel yeah. like I can do this. So why not do it and have all this incredible material and see what doors open up for me, see what network I can build. Because to your other point about like community, there is something really cool about having a global community that I know no matter where I go, I can find someone to help me out or collaborate with or or just build a relationship with. And I think that's really cool. Yes. And on the point that you made of, we only have a finite time that we are able to do all these things. I believe that the generation of our parents, they were brought up with this thinking, I'm going to work until retirement and then I'm going to do all the things I want to do. But as you mentioned, tomorrow you could not wake up for whatever reason. I had friends who were not that old. They were really young and they just, they didn't have a health condition or anything. They just had a heart attack and they dropped, like they literally just went away in a flash. Or other people who then oh, got the man. like got like sick, really sick, and they didn't know it before. Um, my uncle passed away recently in um, in August, in September, and he was oh, one sorry. of the most. Thank you. Yeah, he was one of the, he was my um, godfather as well. So he was one of the most healthy people that I knew. One of the most fun people. He always with my two cousins. Like he would always travel. He worked a lot, but he always made sure that he made time for my cousins and for my aunt. He was, he's such a huge inspiration for me and he got sick and it then went all like really fast. He never said, I'm going to do this when I'm retired. He, I'm never, I'm not going to do this when I'm, when I'm older, or when my kids are older. He said like the time is now, literally, I feel if he had a motto that he was living by, which was not his motto, but what I feel like he was living by is like the time is now. And he was always looking out for a whole family, he was always making time. And there was one, <laughs> one moment, he was in the, he was a police, he was in the police in Germany. And um, I had a, I, I hate to say I had a run in with the law. It wasn't bad. It was like, yeah. um, I don't know, we, we were a little bit too loud at a party and then they came and then basically a couple of weeks after, I don't know, I'm not even sure if I can share this on this podcast, but who knows? And like, we're just going to keep it in. But um, I, I called him up and I, was, I got a, I got like a letter from the police with like a fine of like 200 euros. And he, I called him up. It's like, so hypothetically, if I got a letter that I have to pay 200 euros for like um, disturbance of um, like whatever it was. Um, what would you do? Would you just, would you fight it? Or would you just pay? He's like, Elena, just pay it. I was like, yeah, but hypoth just pay it. I'm like, okay, thank you. <laughs> and so he was the person to go to. He was never, he was, he, where I'm going with this story is basically he always did what he wanted to do. He never put it off. And I feel that's so important. So that's why I urge my, my mother as well. I'm so glad she's like, she's traveling so much with her boyfriend and it makes me so happy to see that. And we don't have forever. We don't have the mm -hmm. time. And so it's, it's important to live what you want to do right now, not put it off. And that doesn't mean you have to travel like 
the whole year, take a sabbatical year or um, go like take up a loan to go traveling. That's not what I mean by that, but it's seizing opportunity, telling the people that you love that what they mean to you. It's in the small, it's in, in, it's in these small instances. And that's what I feel sometimes when it comes to us being digital nomads. There are so many moments that we're missing. So freedom, but we're trading in having these moments with our friends and family, the weddings, the the babies, like the even even the funerals, you know, like we have to go back to them, but sometimes we can't. But uh, we're trading that for a vision of our future, of where we want to go. We're trading this in for this personal freedom of seeing the world. And it's a trade that's not easily made. It's hard sometimes. It it sucks no. when I think of like how many birthdays of my mother I couldn't be there because I was traveling around the world or the the weddings that sometimes you had to say no to because it was just not feasible with the the price of flights. So it's and again, I don't mean to shit on digital nomad last because we're still doing it, but it's it's always it it comes at a price. It always does, but it's important to live those It does moments. it does come at a price. Yeah, and I think too if you like you said, with the finite amount of time, you could also look at this from a spiritual level. Like I do when I think of when I die, Mm -hmm. I actually do believe that I'll probably see my life flash before my eyes, like a movie. And when I think of a movie, think of when you go to the movies, movies aren't 12 hours long, no 60, 92 hours. So if that was my movie, it's like, what do I want to see in my movie? I do want to say I traveled a lot. I do want to say that I had a podcast and I wrote a book and that I had a healthy, loving relationship, hopefully a child, and that I got to do all the things creatively that I wanted to do. So if those are my goals and that's what I want to see in my movie, then that's how I start planning my life. It's like, okay, then you start writing so you can write a book. You start meeting people so that you can find a relationship to eventually have a family. Like That starts guiding me. And when I look back at the what you said about retirement too... I now see my friends and even my own family getting to those ages of retirement and they can barely get in and out of their seat. I'm yes. like, what do you mean you're going to travel? You, you can't even like lug a luggage through the airport, let alone pick it up and put it over the overhead bin. So yeah. this whole idea of like work to the bone and then you can start traveling when you're 65 mm-hmm. is truly like asinine to me because your health deteriorates yeah. and you don't have the energy, especially if you have adult kids, you're dealing with like, all the shit of raising adult kids of oh god oh, yeah. I'm helping my daughter go through a <laughs> mental breakdown and helping my son plan a wedding and helping my other daughter find a job it's like i don't get this idea that you're going to be 65 and all of a sudden have all this like energy to want to go see the world and travel so for me i almost worked backwards where i was like yes. this is my time to do all that and then when i retire i just want to be like chilling writing books eating cooking sleeping like traveling to see my family i don't want to be traveling the world at the level that i'm doing at at 65 years old so i do look at it as like um kind of almost like a strategic plan of I love that. here is the times i'm going to do this yeah like i here's this is fulfilling a goal right now and it's we can get into this too but it's now even how i'm choosing where to travel I used to pick places of where I wanted to travel based on if I liked the city and if it was like a cool city with warm weather, like that was the minimum requirements. Now I start to look at my bigger goals and I'm like, how can I put myself in an environment to help me get to those goals? So this is a new way of traveling that I've just figured out in the last like four months is, okay, I want to save money and pay off debt. 
go to a cheap country where I'm not going to know a lot of people and not be distracted by social events because then my money will automatically the decrease on living yeah. uh, a specific lifestyle will happen and I can put more money towards savings and debt. Oh, I want to launch a creative project. Well, now let me get out of that little tiny random beach town in Albania and go to a creative hub like London or Berlin or Manchester or whatever the case is. Yes. So that's as an adult, how I feel my travel has shifted. Yeah. I think the way me and you were doing it before of like running around to every city, I would consider that more backpacking. And I would yeah. urge people to do that when you're younger oh, and you have yes. all the responsibilities. And you know what I mean? Like do it when you're 18 to 22 and you don't care about making friends and finding a partner and having a baby. Like I wish I did more of this when I was younger so that right now I could live the slower pace. By the way, when you talk about when you were younger, I, I don't think we ever talked about that. Were you also on this like career, like corporate career hustle mode? Before you got into your own business, because that's why I didn't travel as much in my 20s. In my 20s, I was I was just fresh out of college, started immediately into my career in entertainment and fashion. And in, on my mind, yes, I did travel with my job a lot because we were doing photo shoots all around the world. But in my mind, I was like, okay, I need to get in, onto this next step into my career. I want to make X amount of money because then I can do X, Y, Z. And I was so sad on hustling in this corporate culture and being in one city that I would much rather have less money and have the lifestyle I have right now than to be in a constant state mm -hmm. of, of like hustling and getting further. And I feel like especially Gen Z, and that's why I love following Gen Z on TikTok and everywhere. They're doing the right thing. <laughs> they're doing the right thing. And then it's just so nonchalant. There's like, um, what you mean to tell me I need to week you know, need to work more than 40 hours a week. It's like mm -mm, no. Or like working after no. hours? No, absolutely not. So like, yeah, how was it no, for you? <laughs> how was this for you when you were, before you started yeah. your business? It was the same. I was, I graduated I, and then I went to grad school in Chicago. I found yeah. a job in sales doing influencer and content marketing. And I worked there for five and a half years and I worked my ass off. I was yeah. working all the time. Like you said, overtime, coming in early, traveling to all these meetings, meeting with some of the biggest agencies and brands in the world and helping them with campaigns. Yes. And to me, that was like the pinnacle of success, right? That was the American dream was get a high paying job in a well-respected industry, have really high status, make a ton of money, get to travel all over the United States for work, be respected at your job with a specific title. And mm -hmm. I eventually just, it hit me like, this is going to be the rest of your life. Exactly. Like you've already had a sneak preview for five years. This is just going to become either more responsibility, more hours or more stress. Like this isn't actually going to get easier. The higher you move up, it's just going to be harder and harder. So it started to dawn on me too, that also the paid vacation time in America is absolute trash. How many and days so, do you have? How many days? Like, oh my gosh. Well, we get usually the bank holidays. So like Thanksgiving, 4th of July, Christmas. So those are usually automatic. But yeah. then it depends on the company you work for. Your company decides how many days right. you get off. So there's not a universal law. So mm. I had like maybe 10 days plus bank holidays. Excuse me, what? So what, what, like what? 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 10? 10? Yeah. That is bonkers. Because Isn't Germany like 30 or something? I think... So I haven't been in, in the corporate world in a while, but I think the minimum that you have to offer universally in Germany is 25 days. 
25 and i think at my company oh, we had we had like perfect. 30 but then also like we have bank holidays as well right so we get those as well so it's 10 oh so it's like 35 probably probably and especially guys, right? when yeah especially when those holidays fall into like into the week and not on the weekend that's like peak but that is that is insane and so that like escaping kind yeah. of this hustle and I mean, people say like when you yeah. build your own business, when you are a digital nomad and do this, you go from like nine to five to 24 seven, which yes and no, like you just have to, you, you have to remind yourself that you are making your hours. So yes, I, of course, like you and right. I, we both know we could work 24 seven. Like we could record this podcast at three in the morning. We're yeah. not. We could also be doing emails yeah. at like, you know, exactly 7am. It never stops. So you have exactly right exactly i was gonna say like that's that's really what hit me was like you don't have any control over your life like how i was just saying i get to strategically design my life now i just couldn't see myself doing that with my corporate job i'm like no. you get to kind of decide based on your pto and like your career trajectory but you can't actually be like oh i want to save more money let me go move to a cheap beach town in south america because the company wouldn't approve that. That would be yes. insane. So that's something that, yeah, I realized like maybe the, the rise to be like number one at the company and do all these crazy big things at work isn't actually worth it. No. Because like what you said, a lot of us are chasing, um, we're chasing a feeling and it's usually acceptance, adoration, respect, connection, Safety. Um, you know, credibility, like, yeah, safety, we want all these things. And I really think that we think it once I get the title, once I hit the 100k mark in my salary, once I get the bonus, I will start to feel respected, safe, connected, etc. When in reality, digital nomads, like we can do that, we don't need to be traveling all the time to do that. But the, the point of this is that we actually like, are chasing the wrong things, instead of looking at the feelings and energy that we want. So this happened to me in Cape Town. I was sitting in Cape Town at this beautiful apartment. It was on the balcony, sea breeze. I could feel it. I could walk right down to the ocean if I wanted to. Um, there was sunshine flooding the apartment, a bookshelf next to my bed. And I just kind of was like, this is what you've always wanted, right? Like this environment, this feeling, this pe like the fact that I could wake up and go to Pilates and then come home and start work at like, one and then get, I still had time to get dinner with my friends and actually enjoy it and not be checking my email at dinner and posting on Instagram. I was like, this is literally the dream lifestyle. And all of a sudden your entrepreneur brain kind of kicks in and you're like, but I have to make more money. I have to make more money. I have to launch a mastermind. I need to launch a membership. And it's like, why you already have this. Like, it's okay. If you're making $6,000 a month, if you have the lifestyle that you want, exactly. so that's something I had to actually talk to my my team about and being like, guys, I don't actually really care if I'm a millionaire or not, if I have the lifestyle I want. So we yeah. don't need to be launching all these programs and doing all these things because I really feel like I'm, I'm in alignment with what I, I feel like I've hit the lifestyle I wanted. So yeah, that was my, my quick rant. You, you're preaching to the choir right now because the amount of time where I also I'm thinking, I was like, Oh, I need to make more money. Like if I want to get X, Y, Z. And then this year, like to be totally honest with you last year, I was like, okay, this, I'm going to start the digital nomad lifestyle. And last year I did it, but not in the, 
in the capacity that I did this year. And this year I was worried so much more about money, but I was living in Amsterdam. I was living in London. I literally, I had my dream lifestyle and I was still scared because the fear of running out of money, um, not being ahead, like the slow business this year, like all of this. And like, I, I, I asked myself like, what I have, what I was dreaming of. I'm literally living like my dream yeah. was I wanted to live in London. I have my life here. I have my people yeah. here. And so what are we in? It's this, it's this freaking drive, like this freaking pressure that we put on ourselves because we're, we're looking left and right. And I feel that ties into the whole digital nomad thing as well. Really ask yourself yeah. if you were thinking about doing like a digital nomad lifestyle, or if you're seeing people online posting from the most random locations on like sandy beaches and everything, really ask yourself, is that the lifestyle that you actually want to live? Or is it something else? Mm -hmm. And if it's something else, that is okay too. Like no one needs to be a digital nomad. I feel like it's been so glamorized, especially through social media and through content creators and influencers that to be anywhere else, like life is more exciting. Life is the most exciting where you feel the most comfortable. And if you don't like traveling, if yes. you are not good at planning and you hate being like, like with, the, with being a digital nomad and traveling, there comes the thing of like, travel is almost never going to go your way. There are too many little tiny pieces. Mm -hmm. Never. That Never. Like there's delays. Then maybe you will miss um, the ferry or whatever. And then you have other people and the travel is not comfortable. So just become clear. Like if you don't like that, you don't have to be a digital nomad. You're not missing anything in life. If you are happy, if you are comfortable, if you feel the urge mm -hmm. to go out there and be like, but I want to see different cities and I want to see more of this world, basically, then Think of it. Maybe it is a month. Maybe you just dip your toe into it. I decided after a year, I'm like, I'm not that digital nomad that travels every single month to a different location. And I had to come to terms with that because I was kind of like in my mind and to other people branding myself that way. I was like, yeah, I'm living the digital nomad lifestyle now. And then I was like, right. now I have to back paddle and tell them. But no, no one says what being a digital nomad has to look like. Sorry, now I went on a rant. Right, exactly. <laughs> No, I love the rants. And that's so true. It's like, it's something I realized I, uh, two weeks ago, I was in Saranda, Albania, which was the beach town I was talking about. Very yeah. isolated, tiny, nothing to do except really like go to the beach, which oh. was on purpose. I was so burnt out. I wanted to save money. I wanted a quiet life for like six weeks. Then I got really bored and I'm like, okay, now I'm ready for the simulation again. Let me go visit the capital, Tirana. I want to see what it's all about, blah, blah, blah. However, because I have a job, like I created my own business, I have to work, right? So I get to Tirana, I didn't really do any planning. And then my friend was visiting too, and she was like really burnt out from traveling. And so we were just kind of like working at cafes. And at the end of the day, we're like, we're tired. Like we just want to yeah. go to bed. We don't want to see anything. We didn't do anything. Like I pretty much walked around the plaza and went to a bookstore. And that was like the highlight of the trip. And I remember thinking, oh, that was such a waste of a trip. Like I can't yeah. believe that I booked this Airbnb and got the bus and did all these things. And it made me feel almost guilty of like spending all this money to go see the Capitol and then pretty much only see two things there. Yeah. And so I talked to my therapist about it. By the way, I think every digital nomad should have a therapist. Yes. I go weekly to therapy. And she was like, I think this is just also you growing up and realizing like your energy levels and your social commitments 
aren't the same when I was 26, right? When I was 26, I could meet people every night for happy hour and go out every week till 6am and then like still do my work. And now I'm like one, one dinner (laughs) during the week. I'm like, okay, I think we're good. So it just made me realize (laughs) it's time to re yeah. During the week, I'm like, I need to rejig my schedule. And now it actually made me think I kind of want to do it the way that a lot of people do it is stay in a city, like let's say Romania, and then do weekend trips. The beauty of being a digital nomad is you can always be there a little bit longer, right? So yes. I can go maybe see the Budapest Christmas markets for like five days instead of maybe two, but I don't need to pick up all my bags and pack up my entire room just to go to Budapest for five days. Yeah. So that really started to dawn on me. Like, I think it's time you have a hub and then you just travel and do side trips when you feel like you need that stimulation and that novelty. I love that. Yes, absolutely. Okay. I have a question because we have been talking about a lot about the the ins and outs of digital nomad, being a digital nomad and all the lifestyle. Chelsea, what are your three favorite things about being a digital nomad? I think the first one is just the all the different people you meet. Yeah. I have become so much more open-minded because of the people that I've met that have challenged me, right? There's certain cultures that are just very direct, very honest, very blunt, tell you how it is, including Germans. (laughs) I feel like as Americans, we come from a culture and society that's very like non-confrontational, very fluffy and sugar-coated. And like, we'll only bring this up if we have to. And so to be able to meet all these different people that kind of tell you how it is and open your mind to new belief systems and ways of thinking that's been one of my favorite things. That's why I'm, I do it so much too. Yeah. I would say the second thing is that the food is incredible wow. and I get to try all this different food that we have like no access to in, in certain areas in America or that we just don't have those ingredients or I don't live around that climate. So to be able to have like, you know, fresh ceviche in Peru <laughs> or have like this flaky, doughy Spanakopita from Greece is like, oh, that is insane. Like that yeah. is so cool to have a local person that this has been in their family lineage for hundreds of years, bake you this amazing Spanakopita and you get to have it. I love that piece of it. So one of my I love favorite. food. I think that's like a big travel. Yeah. And one of my, one of my favorite um, things, I love Portugal. And when I'm there, I eat my body weight in Pastel de Nata. So, oh, you know, the, the, oh, the custardy things, it's, it's so good. And whenever it's literally the best, right. And even if I'm, I think I'm, they have one at this cafe and I'm now I want to get one. <laughs> so after this podcast, immediately you're just like jumping down to the cafe and be like, okay, one nata, please. Thank you. But yeah. Oh yeah. The food. Yes. I think that's, that's one of the, the best things ever just to try yourself out. Okay. Number three, what is number three for you? Number three, I think, is being able to people watch and observe why and how people do the things that they do. So I'll, I just love people watching and being like, wow, I would have never said that thing. Or I would have never done that. But like, that's their culture. So yeah. of course, they're going to do that. Or like the way they brought this thing up is like very unusual to me. Like it almost feels uncomfortable, but it's interesting to me. Like, oh, maybe I could try that out because I'm in a new country. So it's like the people watching and observing the different psychological ways of behaving with other people is truly fascinating to me. And I feel like it fuels my creativity. Like that's what fuels my podcast. 
I just launched a Substack literally today. That's what's fueling it is like Congrats. all these observations that I'm getting. Thank you. And it's, it's because I have all this like life experience. And so, yeah, I feel like I, because of those three things too, I'm also a more patient person. Mm-hmm. I'm more open-minded. I'm more tolerant. And I don't think I would have been able to have some of those skills or qualities had I not traveled at the pace that I, that I did. Same. Patience. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. Patience. You need patience to be a digital nomad, especially when it comes to Wi-Fi. Let's not open that, that Pandora's box because that's a whole other thing. (laughs) And like finding places to, to record podcasts, for example, because you're not always in a closed up room with like pillows around you to like absorb the echo. No, sometimes you're, um, in like hustles and then you have to make, make do with it. So yeah. Chelsea, I feel like I could do, we could do like a second episode because I feel like there's so many more things that we could talk about. So, Hey, maybe we do that, but I want to, yes, part two. let's do it. Absolutely. Because I really want to get into like travel hacks as well and, and, and fun situations, like, especially for solo travel, because that is a whole other thing. Okay. We going too far with this. So keep a lookout for the second episode (laughs) where Chelsea and I talk about everything solo travel, but Chelsea. Yes. Now that we have answered this asking for a friend, I would love to know from you, what are you asking for a friend right now? Ooh, I think something I would love to ask for a friend is how do you flirt with a guy without leading him on to believe that it's going to turn into sex? This is what's been on my mind. I've, I've been Googling so like how to flirt. Like I've been, I've been watching the weirdest YouTube videos or like trait. It's so funny, but I'm like, I've always had this insecurity that I'm not a big flirt and I'm single. I'm, I want to start dating again and like getting back out in the world of, of dating. And I, I've had, I actually had the last guy I hooked up with was like, you're just not flirty at all. Like, I don't even get how you end up ma- meeting guys. And I'm like, it's more when I'm comfortable and like yeah. we become friends. And then I become like, I can tell there's a vibe I start flirting. But for me, I always feel like, Oh, if I flirt, I'm leading them on and then they're going to think that we're going to hook up and I don't want to do that. So then I tend to go to the opposite way where I'm like yeah. kind of closed off and like not flirty at all. But I really think when I think of like the flirtiest people in my life, they're also the more charismatic people. Like they're yeah. not all sexual and forward no. and trying to get you in bed. They're just like people that make you feel good about yourself. And that when, again, I, I'm just thinking of this French guy I met like nine months ago, he had a serious girlfriend. He's obsessed with her. He wants to marry her. And he's very flirty and he's just someone you like to be around because he makes you feel light and fun and silly because of his flirtatiousness. And I was like, that is a quality I would love to have. So yes, asking for a friend, how do you flirt without feeling like you're leading them on? Okay. I want to put this out to the listeners. If you have insights into this, I'm also going to post this on my story. I feel like, because um, we need some, some info on that because that is a question that I would also love to have answered because I don't have a direct answer to this like or a a take on this right now the only thing I'm going to say is the sheer fact that we as women think that we are leading men on by being flirtatious we don't owe them nothing and I, f- I, I think that is it's deeply ingrained into being a woman it's like we like to be nice and we have to be comforting but don't be too sexual because then they feel like they deserve or they're like yeah basically they are allowed or like should have some sort of claim onto us nope not the case yeah. i can be as fucking flirty as i want to that doesn't mean that i'm gonna sleep with you and yeah 
again, that could fill another episode. But okay, um, we're putting this yeah, out there for the listeners. Please, 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 guys, let us know if you have an input for that. We would be deeply thankful to you. And let's see, maybe we can make a whole episode out of that. But for now, Chelsea, thank you so much. This was such a blast. I knew it would be, but this was so fun. I know, and so much fun. And also, where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me at ChelseaRife.com. My Instagram is also at ChelseaRife. My podcast is called In My Non-Expert Opinion. And then I launched a Substack literally today called Slight Turbulence by Chelsea Rife. So if you go on Substack and just search Slight Turbulence, you'll find me. And yeah, DM me on Instagram. I'm always happy to chat about digital nomad stuff, podcasting, storytelling. I love like chit-chatting with people in the DMs. I love that. And she's the best. So go do that for sure. I'm, I can't wait Thank to you. read um, your stuff on Substack. After this, I'm going to be signing up right now. All right, guys. This was this week's episode of Asking for a Friend. Definitely make sure to subscribe and share. Also, use the question box below to put your Asking for a Friend questions in there. We always love to hear from you and answer your questions if you are maybe a little too afraid to ask. Episodes drop every Tuesday. And up until now, we have made due to this. So I'm really happy about this, that it dropped every Tuesday. And you can find me at Elena Megan on Instagram. And definitely DM me, um, send a comment and I see you next week. Bye.